Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 338 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, it's the return of Ted Sikora, one of the driving forces behind Apama, the Undiscovered Animal, and a new title called Tap Dance Killer. Number two of both issues have just come out, and we talk about them. Of course, I've talked with Ted before about Apama, a book that I really like that's based in Ohio, like he is, and he kicked off the Tap Dance Killer character in that series. But now she's got her own title, and she's doing some crazy stuff that I'm really enjoying, and I think you will too. We talk about where the character comes from, as well as the timeline that developed the Tap Dance Killer. And we talk about what the future holds for both that character and Apama. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome back to the podcast, Ted Sikora, the creator of Apama and a new book that's out called The Tap Dance Killer. How are you doing today, Ted? I'm great, Wayne. How are you? It's good to talk with you again. I see you at conventions every once in a while. Why don't we start off with that and say, do you know which conventions you're going to be at any time in a couple months? Well, yeah, I will definitely be at Baltimore. I will be at New York. Any show in Northeast Ohio, there'll be uh, Neo Comic Con and uh, Cleveland Comic Con will be at that one. And um, yeah, um, just Akron Comic Con. Okay. So we'll get back to Apama. We'll get an update on that a little later. Let's get to the book that just came out this week called Tap Dance Killer. Can you give us a little bit of insight into what Tap Dance Killer is? Sure. It's, uh, it's about a woman who gets cast in a horror show musical as the Tap Dance Killer. But then there's a supernatural occurrence, and she can't shake the role, and she starts kind of taking it to the streets, thinking she is this sort of 1920s vaudeville assassin. Okay. And as I see in the comic, there's some stuff going on. There's a timeline as to how this got to this point. Do you want to hit the high points as to you know, what was the important parts as far as getting to, to where we are today? Sure. Well, Nikki St. Clair is the, the actress who I was talking about, and... In issues nine, I'm sorry, in issues ten and eleven of Apama, she's putting up flyers for this musical called Nothing Like Vaudeville, mm-hmm. sort of this surreal horror show musical. And 
she hails the ice cream truck right on the big first splash page, you know, hey, ice cream man. And then because uh, in Apama, our main character does drive the ice cream truck. I should probably explain that. Ilya Zharsky. Mm-hmm. Um, Apama is the story of a Hungarian ice cream truck driver in Cleveland who unlocks the spirit force of the most savage creature mankind has never known. Mm. So uh, around issue nine, Ilya is really beat down from being this the only superhero in town dealing with all these super villains so he's just looking to do something else and when this woman invites him to uh you know come to a uh, a musical uh audition he's like that might be a nice change of pace they're real flirty he's like maybe i can get her digits and uh <laughs> so that's how that kind of begins so this whole story of nikki and two other cast members who are also being uh, who are also cast as villains, Sir Terror and Fletcher, um, the trio becomes this mob that ends up trying to take on the the Cleveland Mafia, mm-hmm. and Apama gets in the middle of all that. So I don't want to give it all away, but uh, Tap Dance Killer Number One came out in April, mm-hmm. and that was a spinoff from uh, Apama. Mm-hmm. Now, we wanted it to be that you could just start with Tap Dance Killer number one, mm-hmm. and if you hadn't read Apama. So, um, if you jump in from that standpoint, um, you know, there, we give you a flashback, but, you know, the whole story is not there. So, you, you know, there's more to be explored if you go deeper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, we've discussed the Apama character before. <clears throat> I like that book because it was all a, a, like an homage to like 70s Marvel comics and things like that, which is really good. It's a very interesting character, very well done comic. And so it's interesting that this kind of spins out of that. Yeah, right on. We're, we're huge fans of the Bronze Age. I um, I think Tap Dance Killer's uh, a shade more contemporary, but we still have a, you know, a firm love for the masters, uh, as a, you know, in that one as well. Mm-hmm. Now, before I get into the character and the book itself, I was interested in a timeline that you published at the end of the first issue. Yes. And I'm just kind of really interested. In 1990, it says the first demo version of the Tap Dance Killer song is written and recorded by you as part of a rock concept album. Yes. So- Where'd that concept come from? <sighs> You know, it's a it's a, a strange story, um, as these all are, <laughs> but they're all interwoven now. When I was back in college, I was a, a you know guitarist and uh, played in rock cover bands. But I started to do originals, and I wrote this song called "Welcome to the Freak Show." It was just sort of this strange viewpoint of a ringmaster, and it just that song just spawned something and i just kept writing tunes that were all related to this surreal 1920s sort of um uh yeah surreal vaudeville you know so there were all these characters that all had their own song and yeah tap dance killer was one there was a sir terror song there was this fletcher song um and um we played these as our band we had a five-piece band um, and then uh, we had the opportunity to do a actual horror show musical during a haunted festival. They wanted a 15-minute show. And I, I said, well, you know, I can try to write like a song and a little bit of uh, like a verse chorus of four of our songs. And I'll put this little script around it. Mm-hmm. And this thing went over better than the band ever did. And we thought, <laughs> you know, maybe we should just turn this whole thing into a musical. And I, I was coming into musical theater never having done a musical in my life, but 
we spent a year doing that. We rented out a theater. We put it on and actually ended up getting um, international distribution on the cast album. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just a strange kind of thing. So Tap Dance Killer was originally sung by our lead vocalist, Michael Jones. And then in, uh, when we went to do it into a musical, we, you know, we were five guys in this band. We decided, well, let's, you know, add some diversity to this. So we, we had a woman named Jan Lynch played Tap Dance Killer. Um, and then years later, I asked uh, jazz vocalist Kai Allen to do a version of it um, because I was just completely uh, sort of, I mean, I, I really became this humongous fan of Sarah Vaughn. And I was just like, God, if somebody like Sarah Vaughn could sing Tap Dance Killer, that would be about perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden she was, uh, you know, because Jan was white and then uh, um, Kai is black. And I just thought, man, that's I like this character, you know, as a black woman mm-hmm. um, going forward. And then when we cast it in the in the comic book, um, it just all kind of continued. So now we have Nikki St. Clair, this you know tough gal from Cleveland who is the tap dance killer. Because hmm. you know I have to say that in comics you don't get many lead characters who are, are diverse females. So you're you're doing something that is quite groundbreaking, in my opinion. I mean, we've got Storm, but she's part of the the X Men, and you've got certain you know females that are around. But to make this character, you know, a black woman, I thought was really uh, you know, considering the era that this was all taking place in, too, that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty forward thinking on your part. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I'm married to a black woman. We have a daughter, so I'm. I mean, it's on my mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when you ask people to name a black female hero, you know, they go right to Storm, mm-hmm. and then they kind of like, um, who else, you know? And uh, so, and you know, I, I love Storm, but she's not the gal down the street. You know, mm-hmm. Nikki is that gal down the street. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Nikki. You, you've worked alongside Nikki, and um, that's kind of what I think. Um, I, you know, I, what I think works about Ilya is you feel like you know him, you know mm-hmm. that ice cream truck guy up in Apama, mm-hmm. and I feel like you kind of know Nikki. Ho- hopefully, that is what we aim for. Mm-hmm. Now she's in jail when things start off, which is a, you know, some people might like not like seeing a, a diverse woman in jail at the beginning. Oh yeah, and um, the thing is, she's in jail because. You know, I mean, you'd have to have read the first part in the Apama series. I mean, she was defending herself on stage, you know. So, um, the mob has it in for her, and they're they're making it very tough for her in prison. And you know what? She should have been let out, but um, there were some factors that kept her in there that were beyond her control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's a woman who is there who talks about the fact that they're the worst actors I've ever seen. <laughs> he talks about them on there, which, of course, you know, every actor gets that. Even artists and stuff get that. So I'm kind of curious as to that. Was that drawn from experience, or was that just an t- attempt to put a little comedy into it? What was that all about? Well, yeah, I mean, this goes back to the, the story in Apama. So, um, you know, this musical, it all starts off well well and good when you've got the um, the main characters – have been cast in their roles and then there's this cast party and at the party a woman who represents the who claims to represent the publishing house of the musical takes the three villains aside into a room filled with smoke and a mysterious drink mm-hmm. and she just 
these are not bad actors at all, but she makes them feel like they're terrible. Mm-hmm. And she says, you have to make this real if you want to stay in this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is there that they are dosed with this potion that locks them into their role. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it's sort of, uh, she kind of blindsides them and, and then uh, then they, they can't let it go. Mm-hmm. Of course, once she gets out of jail, she's got to find some some help and stuff so she goes to somebody that she knows and kind of starts um, taking advantage of, of her theater background to basically blend into the crowd as much as she can yeah which is pretty cool I like that about her I, I, I think I like about the character so, uh, so much is the fact that she's you know she is very she can think on her feet she's also very uh able to to make things happen you know she's not a helpless female kind of stuff which i liked and she's able to do things and make things happen and and you know she could be a leader of a group if she ever wanted to be as far as those things go so i like that about her oh thank you so was that it was this character based on someone you knew or was it did you kind of come up with her on your own um it's not based on your wife, is it? No. I mean, yes and no. Like, my wife reads this, and she's like, well, you quit putting my life into your comic book. You know? <laughs> so, uh, like, so, yeah, I, I, everybody, every character is kind of, I think, influenced by who we know and our experiences, you know. And um, there's definitely, you know, I, I did a documentary about Near West Theater in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And the cast was extremely diverse and full of life. And I, you know, I, I think there's the DNA from so many of those actors in that character. You know, mm-hmm. um, I even asked the, the one woman who was in the show, Coco Smith, to sing the song Tap Dance Killer. So she did a new version of it, um, which will be hopefully coming out um, within the next year, like a new cast album of nothing like vaudeville. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. funny stuff. Now, of course, we get towards the end of the, of the first issue and she gets a partner, somebody by the name of punchline, you know, and I always think about, you know, the Joker is a very funny guy. You know, he's, he's, he's a genuinely funny person, even though he's a criminal, but this one punchline is, is not funny at all. seems to me. <laughs> and I like that about, it. he was a very, different contrast to what I had seen from the Joker. I mean, he has a little bit of resemblance physically to what he looks like, but other than that, I mean, he's a great big tall guy, you know, and pretty muscular. He was a, a, a boxer, right? Right. And so he's in there and he just, you know, he and, the, and, uh, and she have to kind of work together. So I like that about that whole business. It doesn't, it doesn't ever go the way I expect, which I really like. Oh, good. And then you get to the second issue with the cover is funny. And she's, <laughs> the tap dance killer is pushing on a punchline saying, look, you big oaf, this is my comic. So if you'd kindly move about five feet or so, then we'd have a respectable cover shot. In other words, he's standing there and he, he, he doesn't understand any of this kind of theater stuff. And she does, and so she's trying to make that happen. So I, I, I got a big kick out of that because one, one of the things about like a Palma is well, there's humor in the situations and in the characters that I really like. Thanks. So this now, as far as the second issue is just out this week, is is it a two issue miniseries? Is this going to be an ongoing? What's the deal with Tap Dance Killer? Oh yeah, it's an ongoing series. Okay. 
Yeah, issue uh, three will be out in November, unfortunately. There's a little bit of a delay. But um, it's really just because this is our first time doing single issues, and you're required to have your solicitations into Diamond so you know, far in advance, which is understandable. I'm not, you know, that's not a complaint, but um, as I'm trying to finish an issue, you know, we're, there's only, you know, three of us working on this book. Um, you know, you've got to make sure you hit your deadline. And I just didn't quite get our submission for the next one. In. Well, as long as, as long as people know ahead of time and they, they know why, yeah. I think people are pretty understanding about that. Is this the same team from Apama? I, I didn't look to compare oh, them. Uh, it's um, well, Apama is written by Milo Miller and illust- with and myself, and Benito Gallego does the uh, pencil and ink, and I do the coloring. So on this one, I'm doing the writing. The artist is Nicholas Harrison uh, for pencil and inks, and then uh, David Baff Gallard and myself are doing the uh, the coloring. Hmm. Okay. I do the lettering too. Okay. Wow. Right. So a lot of writers that seem to letter, which I always I find like- interesting. It's a great way to go. It's I, I teach comics, uh, and one of the things that's so wonderful about that is just those opportunities to rewrite it when you're doing your lettering. You know, I, I think um, it's probably a good idea to have a graphic artist do like your onomatopoeia and, and you know make sure everything's really looking right. But if you have an opportunity to to actually do the captions yourself, I think the book only gets better. Well, you know, sometimes after you've seen the artwork, probably inspires you in a different way than you had when you originally conceived it in your own head. You're 100% right. So that's pretty cool stuff. I always like when 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 the two of them enter a room, he's just kind of standing there, and she's holding a gun and a cane, and she's kind of like in a in a, uh, drum, a, uh, uh, like performance pose. And he just kind of stands there, and of course, uh, what's this supposed to be? And he yells, a punchline! <laughs> so I like that about him. He's quite, and of course, the, the reason why he's called Punchline because <laughs> that's what he tends to do real well—deliver the punchlines. So yeah, yeah the, the guy who asked figured him out, figured that out pretty quick. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. So again, you've got a lot of diversity in the characters, which I like. You know, the the there's a black family that's involved, and we get to see some of those. And I'm always interested, too, because of, I'm interested in how diversity is portrayed in comics. As far as, like, dialogue goes, was that difficult at all? I, I You know, I, I don't want to sound like prejudiced or biased or something, but sometimes people of color speak differently than, let's say, uh, you know, uh, an older white person. And they have a very unique way of doing it. And I don't know whether that was a, a, an issue with yours. Did it matter to you at all? Or how did you do, a, approach that? Well, I think, um, you know, you have to approach writing um, and any character from a, a mindset of this can't be the voice of the writer. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's got to be you have to you have to know somebody maybe that, that you feel like this is the voice of this character and I can hear my friend saying this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, you just be, you be careful, you know, and I also show it to people, you know, I show it to, um, a, a diverse group of friends, you know, family and, and, you know, what do you think? Did I, does this feel right? And, mm-hmm. you know, because I think every artist, writer, we all have our blind spots, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we, um, we really do ourselves a, a big favor when we reach out to 
to diverse people for opinion, you know? So, um, yeah, it's something I'm really, I, I try to be very sensitive about because, you know, uh, all these voices, you know, yeah, I'm writing a story about, you know, a black woman and uh, I'm a white guy. You know? mm-hmm. so, yeah. That, um, you bet I ask my, my black female friends to, to go over this, you know, mm-hmm. and, and my wife. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Cause you don't want them to sound, gosh, it's, it, it's, a, this is a touchy subject. Because uh, sometimes people get into it, and they make characters sound too white on some levels, and and I am always kind of going like, it doesn't sound like a black person, you know. Not that every black person sounds the same, but if what you've done though, you set the characters and made them different from each other. I mean, Punchline talks very differently from the the killer, and so to me, it's 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 fun to listen to them talk and how differently they sound. So that must have been quite a fun. On some levels, that must have been fun to be able to do that. Oh uh, yeah, it is kind of fun. I'm, I'm and I'm glad that's. Uh, I'm glad it's coming off that they're they're distinct voices. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm aiming for. So we got issue two is out now. Um, you said the other one's coming in November, number three. Do you have an idea as to how many issues you're planning to put together? Oh, it's just I don't have an end in sight, so okay. no. I you know we'll probably do a collection at some point here, and what I'll do is uh, compile it with those first two issues of Apama, so that you kind of really will get the whole tap dance killer story when that collection comes out as well. I, I like that when she fights, she also tap dances. She <laughs> right. pulls Batgirl kind of stuff where she's kicking people and you know and stuff. Batgirl was never allowed on the Batman TV show to punch anyone. Oh no! Mm-mm. She was uh, as a, a female in the '60s. Her the only thing she could ever do to stop somebody was kick. Interesting. I didn't I, know that. I, I always got a huge. I'd sit there and watch her and go kick, 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 <laughs> and I was thinking like you know it almost was like a dance thing the way that she was doing that. Mm. But to me, I always thought you know, I, and of course she could never get punched really. You know, we didn't do that to women back in the '60s, and so it was always fun. But I I like the fact that she does use her dancing of course she's a tap dance so she uses that as one way to take on the bad guys yeah, right oh it's right in her name did you as far as like movements and stuff like that did, did you give the artist some guidance as to what you think that might look like or did uh, that person do it themselves Oh, I give him a lot of reference uh, images. I mean, he'll come up with a lot of great stuff. Nicholas Harrison uh, will, um, but for sure, I'm I'm always feeding him kind of inspiration images with this series. Um, you know, looking at Bob Fosse choreography, or you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, anything along uh, along those lines. Not that there's a lot of things along those lines, but um, I think that's the right vibe. So how did the costume come? She's got, you know, like a, a red hat and then, you know, with the white gloves and sort of red with black stripes in different places. Who came up with that costume? Was that something you came up with, the the artist from Apama, or how did that come out to be? Um, it was my design, uh, and it was kind of back when back to that original Nothing Like Vaudeville mm-hmm. album. You know, it was kind of just based on sort of at first an old barbershop quartet looking um design um but you know just tried to when when i imagined it on nikki i i, I you know i wanted something a little sleeker and, and cool and, and i think the half mind face sort of uh, has a real cool graphic look so um yeah it was just trial and error 
Now, I'm, I'm kind of curious, though. You did mention that this was involved. You, you had like a, a film that she was in that was back. Let's see. Which film is that? Well, no, not Tap Dance Killer. I don't. Oh, yes. Okay. So, Hero Tomorrow. Yeah. If, if you see our movie Hero Tomorrow, um, I should probably explain what that is real quick. Um, before any of the, the comic book stuff, Milo Miller and I wrote this script. Um, it's a dark comedy feature film about a guy who has an idea for a superhero he can't get it published but his girlfriend being an aspiring fashion designer makes him a costume of his own character for halloween Mm -hmm. Uh, once he has that um he tries to uh really become a superhero so you know with no with no powers whatsoever so um in the comic book there's so there's a lot of scenes that take place in a comic shop and we needed to fill we were told we could not show Marvel or DC comics, mm. so try showing a comic shop with, without that. Mm. <laughs> so we, we went out to a bunch of comic cons and, and met a bunch of indie creators that were willing to let us show their work. We, we got all this stuff donated. It was terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we still didn't have quite enough on the walls and things, so I made my my tap dance killer sketch from the band days, I turned that into a faux comic book cover. So actually in the, in the hero tomorrow movie, you do see a cover to tap dance killer. Number one, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a, an oddball ass backwards Easter egg, I guess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun though, but that, that's kind of a fun way to go about it. Now, of course, you've talked about the movie and did she actually, I guess the cover appeared, but the character didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean the, the cover, it was the, the male version. Oh, gotcha. And he looks very, you know, standard with the the hats, very different, very standard yeah. looking kind of stuff with that. And of course, you did an updated version, didn't you, of the, the movie at some point? Did it, was that still in it? Oh, well, we did a, we recut it um, back in 15 mm-hmm. and when we released it on Blu-ray. So, but yeah, all those scenes are in there. Ooh, cool. Which, of course, leads me to the question. Any chance you're going to make a, a Tap Dance Killer film or TV series or something? Because you've certainly got the experience making movies. We'd love to. Um, I, I think it'd be cool to do a, a series with all these characters, you know, because, you know, Tap Dance Killer was sort of born in the Apama universe. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's so many ways it could go. Um <laughs> We're very. We have an we have an Apama screenplay um, that we started chopping around, but then at the same time, you know, I've mentioned before, there's not that many of us in this crew, so we uh, we uh, sort of decided to refocus our energies on comics because this is sort of a world that we feel like we can control our destiny mm. and we can ha- we can tell the stories exactly as we want them told. Um, you know, you, we could spend three years trying to get a movie made and go nowhere. Where in that same three years, how many issues of a Palma or Tap Dance Killer can we put out? And and that's what I think you know ultimately matters more. So um, that's where we're focused right now. But obviously, if anybody's interested in helping us put a film together, we're all in. Cool. Well, since you're saying that, what's the best way to contact you, just in case somebody does? Oh, yeah. Um, well, we have our website, um, herotomorrow.com. Um, the information's there. There's um, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash herotomorrow. 
and uh, yeah, we're we're easy to find. Very cool, very cool. Now, let's talk about how Apama and uh, the killer work together as far as things go. It, it's hard to put more than one comic out at a time. I have a I have a roommate who is putting out a comic, and he's they're trying to get him to do more than one, and boy, it's it's tough on him to do that kind of stuff. <clears throat> While you're doing the killer, does Apama take a break? You've got it obviously integrated into into yeah, her well, book. Well, what was interesting, or we we did this. We are the company that does things ass backwards, right? So we, we first we made a movie, and then we turned that into a comic book, you know, and then um, we released the comic book as a collection before right. we ever released it as single issues. Right. So when we when Nikki was getting her spin-off series when you know Tap Dance Killer was coming out, we thought, man, we've never released a Pama in single issues. And we have eleven issues, covers everything. They're all built there in the collections, but they've never really had their day in the stores, you know? So we thought, why don't we do a Pama, you know, one to eleven monthly. Mm-hmm. They'll be be released alongside Tap Dance Killer. You know, Tap Dance Killer's quarterly, but it won't take long before a Pama will be all caught up. You know, and then we'll do things with the horse before the cart, where Apama 12 through 16 will come out, and then we'll do a trade. Mm, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, actually, the next issue of Apama is completely illustrated, um, but we're just kind of sitting on it until we can debut it after all these other ones have their, their single issue release. Mm-hmm. And we are remastering it. You know, we're, we're going back in, we're redoing the lettering and colors and things, so... It is, there is some, uh, you know, there's new things in all of these that are coming out, but <laughs> it's working out. I mean, new people are trying a Pama, and that's, that's really important for, uh, for the, you know, the health of this company and this mm-hmm. series. So you raise an interesting point, though. I mean, some people think that the trade is the way to go, and other people think the individual, what they call the floppy issues, are the way to go. Has this experience given you any insight into that? I mean, obviously, you're doing singles now. I mean, how's that? Is that? Uh, well, I, I love uh, I love the floppies, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I I think it's our path is like I said, it's been so weird. But if I had to do it again, I don't know that we could have just started with a palm of floppies and gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you know, but I think we've built up our name enough with the trades and, and all this other stuff so that now that tap dance killer is coming out as single issues, it's giving us that book's actually giving an opportunity back to a Pama. <laughs> um, but it wouldn't have happened if we had just started with floppies. Mm-hmm. So I think there's big advantages to both. I had a store owner, um, you know, who, who liked the idea that we were doing floppies kind of, he, he gave me an analogy that I, I thought was pretty solid. You know, he said that, um, Comics that go straight to trade, it's kind of like a movie that comes out straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're missing that, that community moment in the shops mm-hmm. where, where people have a chance to gather around, talk about it, show it, you know, all those floppies along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be, say, five months worth of floppies, six months worth of floppies, all that kind of those reviews that might come out for every issue. If you go right to the trade, you you sort of missed out on all that, and you know it's not a perfect analogy, but I think there's there's really something to it, um, and and having experienced it now with our first two it flop two floppies, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really you know 
I think it's true. Because it's interesting. I have a friend who's who's done like six issues of a story, but then they stopped to do a trade, and in the process, some people didn't know if that was the end or not. So the sales kind of went down on that, and I, and I'm kind of interested because. You know, the thing of it is, is if stopping to do a trade apparently baffled some people. They didn't realize it was going to be more after that. And mm-hmm. it sounds like, well, at least you're going to have 11 issues going, which yeah, is going to help we, people. We keep. They're all they're all made. So yeah. and that that helps us as a small company um, that has it helps us be regular for a while here. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to be coming out every month or every other month. Um, and. You know, if we were trying to make those issues that fast, along with Tap Dance Killer, the quality would absolutely suffer. You know, so I think, you know, it's uber important for us to to maintain a, a certain level, um, and uh, that that's allowed us to do it. That's interesting. Well, is it through Diamond? Is that where this is it coming is. out? Yeah. Uh, and and is it under what's the name of the company? Is that still the the hero? Of- Hero tomorrow. tomorrow. Comics, yeah. Okay, so that's good. Okay, so yeah, I love to, to let people know because if you haven't seen it yet, the thing to do is to to go into the previews and look under Hero Tomorrow Comics and look for this. Now, if people let's say they didn't get one and two somehow, what's the best way for them to to get a hold of these of yeah, of right. Apama Andley and the the killer? Captain's killer. Go right to HeroTomorrow.com. We've got all the single issues right there. Um, the first cover of Tap Dance Killer, we did two covers. The the cover that went to the stores nationally is nearly sold out. Um, so uh, we have a, a publisher variant, though, that we still do have uh, some copies of that. So, yeah, we have everything. You know, and we're going to – we're not re- – they're limited edition – prints or limited print runs i should say mm-hmm. so you know we'll go to a second printing but those first prints will be you know kind of rare at some point good good i mean do you ever check on ebay and see how your books are doing out there i do yeah people are getting 15 bucks for tap dance killer one variant wow and we still sell it on our website for four so oh, wow. there's, there's a tip <laughs> wow that's cool well that's good for you though because you know obviously there's interest for them to sell it that much yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's great. That's great. Okay, so let's see. So we got uh, one, two, three. Are there other projects you're working on? Because uh, I, if I know you, you're probably got other irons in the fire you're dying to get to. Apama's working real well. The, uh, the killer's going real good. Any other things that uh, you're working on? Um, well, there, there's a villain who shows up in Apama 5, Regina, and she's like the hippie, psychedelic flower child gone wrong. You know, she's this cult leader. Um, and. I had when when I came up with her, I wrote a whole screenplay about her origin story, mm-hmm. and this is one of those examples of film versus comics. You know, we were shopping this screenplay around for quite a while, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, coming up kind of empty, and I or very empty, and I just, you know, I ought to just make this a graphic novel, you know, and um, so uh, I hired an artist, and we've been, you know, we've been slugging away at that, and it's he's over forty pages into it. <laughs> It'll be uh, it'll be titled Bloom, and I think it will come out in three issues actually. So here here is an example where I originally thought I was going to release this as a uh, a graphic novel, but I think it's going to be better to do it in single in three single issues. And then a graphic novel. And then a collection. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that'll be good. So, so instead of the choice of 
which either or why can't you have both you know that's really what i would say mm -hmm. well you build up an audience when you have the individual issues coming into stores yeah and of course you know when you've got a base in ohio there that, that i'm sure is very supportive i think i saw you at space oh yeah the yep. first time i saw you in fact i got first time i got i, I picked up your your trade paperback for a Palma, and I remember taking it home and reading it. I think I got the, the DVD too, which I promptly misplaced. But I've got to get, I got to find that someplace and be able to sit down and watch it because I've always, in the back of my mind, I just know I've got to see that thing. But I saw that at the space convention. That's in Cleveland, or is it Columbus? Oh, space is Columbus. Columbus, okay. Because yeah. I saw you there, and I th and I got a kick out of the the concept. I, I have this thing though. I think we've talked about it previously, but I'm interested in in regional heroing. Mm. You know, I like the fact that Apama is sort of based in Ohio, and 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 so is the other book. And is the third book based in Ohio too? Yeah, yep. We're okay. all locked here in Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, Akron. Yeah. I remember we talked about once before that you incorporated some of the local color, the local uh, places into Apama. So that if somebody was familiar with his hometown, they might recognize oh, yeah. some of the, the places. You think landmarks, the West Side Market is featured pretty prominently, uh, Terminal Tower, you know. Um, but it's really the neighborhood stuff that I think. Um, people locally get the biggest kick out of you know because if anybody's been there before you know you'll see the stuff that uh, you might recognize and that's always make makes it a lot of fun to me there used to be a, a strip called captain kentucky was in uh, in kentucky and this okay. this guy he wrote it and then he took the state flag and wore it like a cape and oh, he used wow. to take this octahectic Hexagloop or something like that. I'm probably getting that name wrong, but and that was what gave him powers and stuff like that. And of course, the mayor, who the the artist did not care for, was corrupt and awful, and he was forever trying to beat the tar out of the mayor. The hero was and stuff like that. So, if you lived in that area, you got a huge kick out of that. I'm sure that must have been fun. It was kind of entertaining to me, even though I didn't know much about the area, because you know you see this kind of you don't you don't see these kinds of things very often. You don't see the mayor of a town being sort of corrupt and all this kind of stuff. So to see him actually take on, he ended up being the mayor over in Iraq. Somehow, I think they decided they they, they needed somebody to, to run a rock in a certain way, and he ended up going over to a rock. And I, I remember sitting there going, "Oh, only in this strip can you get away with that That's crazy. kind of fun thing." Because, but you don't have the local people in there, do you? It's mostly just setting. Oh no, we actually have. Uh, like I, I told you about that theater scene that, that right. takes place at Near West Theater in Cleveland. That was the same place I did the documentary and. Mm. The director of uh, most of their shows is the director in the comic. So we we have you know news anchors that are actual news anchors. We get their permission to mm. to show them. Because mm, I have a friend of mine, he wrote a friend into the comic, and the first issue he comes out, and he lets the friend go and read it. But what he didn't tell him was that he was going to kill that character in the car oh. and of course he wasn't all that thrilled he said hey you killed me he goes well you know nobody lasts forever in comics he goes <laughs> <laughs> so I got to kick out see those kinds of things are fun to read you know you can't get that kind of stuff in Batman and, and Superman you might get some of that in say Spider-Man or something because they're based in New York City but uh, I got a huge kick out of I like it when people are based. There's Sometimes I've seen Miami-based heroes. I've seen some Texas-based heroes, which all that stuff is entertaining to me. I love to see 
things like that. So I, I, that's one of the things I love about Apama is you take it full advantage of the the area that this all takes place in. And so I, I really like that a lot. I appreciate that. So, okay, so you've got that, uh, the bloom coming out. Any other projects you're working on that we should be aware of? Uh, no, I mean, that's... That's about all I can handle. <laughs> I was gonna say that probably should hold you for a while. I would imagine you're doing three comics. Of course, one of them you're 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 basically revamping a little yeah. bit, but the other two are going to keep you busy. I have a feeling for a while. Yeah. And then going to cons and stuff like, especially going to Baltimore from Ohio. So that's a little bit of a trot. Right on. Yeah. But, As is New York, and you know, I I I've been doing some you know these airplane shows. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I, we did Denver. Um, uh, what do you call them? WonderCon, and you know, it's just. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm going to try to stick more to drivable shows for the near future. Okay. Well, when you got a family and you got people to hang around with, you know, you don't necessarily need to drive or fly long distances that much. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, especially if you got something that's localized like uh, Palma is. But you know, I I, I always want to recommend people go to San Diego, although it's you know by the time this hits, too late to make any arrangements to go to this year. But you might think about next year because that's where little movies and stuff like that get made, and and so I and New York City too. I mean, you know, you said you're going to New York Comic Con. Yes, sir. Okay, so that's where a lot of things take place. So it's Baltimore. I mean, I, I heard the story that Jeff Johns was talking to Dan DeDio about Green Lantern. They didn't know what to do with Green Lantern. It wasn't selling again. And Jeff Johns said, hey, I'll go back and I'll, I'll put him back the way he was and everything will be fine. And I'll even have multicolored lanterns. And Dan DeDio's head spun around at that. <laughs> you know, they couldn't get the Green Lantern to sell. Why would they do other ones? But they went with it. And that all took place at Baltimore behind the scenes. That's cool. So I'd say that's the thing. If you go to these places, you just don't know. You know, games. I mean, it could be in a Palma game in the future if you run into somebody who likes to make games. There's all kinds of wonderful things that can that can happen in, in the Apama and Killer future. You, you know, if you just kind of talk to the people at the booth next to you, you never know who that's going to be. So that's cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had a, a guy introduce me at New York Comic Con. Uh, his name's Henri Compa and introduced me to the Marvel editing legend, Jim Salakrup. And oh, wow. Jim has been amazing. He's He's been giving us really good critiques on our books and um, – yeah, he, he took us under his wing quite a bit. I, I, I'm really grateful to him. That's cool. That's cool. There are a lot of people who like to make comics better, and they don't necessarily have to benefit financially from it. If they like the product, they'll they'll give what time they can to help something like a Palma become a, a, a big hit and be popular with people. So I mm-hmm. I think that's one of the great things about it. So, well, it sounds like you're keeping busy there, Ted. I, I we, we Someday we'll have to think of some other books you can do just to kind of fill in what, what little time <laughs> you have left over. Sure, yeah. But, but it's, I'm glad it's doing really well, and I'm glad that you've got some great concepts going on. And I, I just can't wait to see what you're going to do next with all these good things. I want to see uh, the our, our Lady Killer go forward and and see in a Pama where you guys are going to go with these things. So yeah, it's great well, seeing. Thank you so much. Again, it's Tap Dance Killer and Apama, the Undiscovered Animal. And the other one was Bloom, if I remember correctly. Yes. And if you go to the website, the Hero Tomorrow comic, is it comics.com? It's just herotomorrow.com. Okay, so we got all kind of good things in there. You've got shirts in there, as I remember. You've got all kinds of good things. Have you considered action figures? Um, 
Mm, not really, but, okay. you know, yeah, if, if there was a, a way to do it, we'll, we'll, you know, we'd be open to it. You know? All right. I, I better stop while I'm ahead or I'm going to commit you to a whole bunch of stuff that you yeah. don't have time for. <laughs> well, Ted, you're doing great stuff, and I love it all, and I think it's going to be great material. I'm glad I bumped into you at Space that one time, and I, I see every once in a while at a convention, I always try to catch up with what I, I don't have at that point. So I'm always keeping up with your good things. So I just think it's it, it's terrific stuff, and man, keep it up. Uh, will do, and you too, man. Thanks so much for the enthusiasm and um, and the time. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have another great interview. But until then, keep reading your comics. and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.